Welcome to the Adversity Psychologist Podcast, a podcast incorporating narratives about facing and navigating adversity, a mixture of people, their experiences, and professional psychological discussion. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo. I'm a qualified and regulated psychologist with over 20 years' experience of mental health, disability, and human behavior. I want to share people's stories of navigating adversity in the hope that through being heard, a dose of compassion and some understanding, we can help others in the face of adversity too. Hi and welcome to the Adversity Psychologist podcast. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo and today I am really excited to have a really different guest today, someone who's reached out with me who has many strings to her bow. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what's brought you here today? Thank you, Tara. I shall. My name is Ingozi Kadmus, and I am a psychotherapist, a mental health social worker, a business strategist. Uh, I've got a few more things that I do, but essentially, um, I'm a person who is very um, dedicated to understanding the inequalities within the mental health system, um, the underrepresentation of um, black people, especially in um, leadership positions, and the disparities of, of health outcomes amongst um, black and Asian um, individuals um, in the UK when it comes to their mental well-being. So that's that's me, and I do lots of things. I do my own podcast as well, um, and I speak on a lot of trending topics and social commentary. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. You have so many strings to your bow, which is what really interested me when you first reached out, because you're a social worker by background as well. You're a psychotherapist. Is it right to say you're in the middle of your doctorate, aren't you? Yes, <laughs> you're I doing am. so many things. I don't know how you, looking back to when I did mine, I think they need literally had time to eat and breathe and then that was it. Um, but you're a leader super expert as well, aren't you? Business strategy, you run frontline coaching um, and you're social media is really really interesting for people to follow as well um, and there's so many things that we want to talk about because there is also something isn't there about your lived experience and we were talking about depression particularly and I haven't covered that too much already in my podcast just um, with a colleague talking about how to support someone you may live with or support with depression um, so in terms of tell us a little bit about your background what, what drew you to thinking about because health inequalities that's the thing if people could see the video element which won't go out they'd see me immediately sit up and go yes we need to talk about this mm. um it, what is it in your background what have you noticed in those various roles the things you do now about health inequalities and then we'll come we'll kind of narrow it down to more specific inequalities as well you know I think most people would agree that um Black and brown, so non-white in the Western world, have different health outcomes. We might not yes. agree on the reasons. That, so that's yep. where the issue is. People don't agree on the, the etiology, the reasons, the causes. But we can agree that there are different outcomes, meaning that there are more um, um, black people incarcerated um, than the representation that we are actually in society. What's going yes. on? Yes, yeah. More um, black people um deprived of their liberty in hospital, in psychiatric hospitals, than they are in the population. What is going on there? Now, the reasons is what people have, a, um, we, we don't agree on, but we can all agree on that. So the question is, is I guess, not only why, but is it how to improve? I'm more focused on how to improve because I don't think we're ever going to come to a consensus. That's just the yeah, good point. Why, yeah. Whether it's racism, medical racism, or whether it's just black people are more likely just to do criminal criminal activity or more likely to be ill we're not going to agree on that but what we can agree on that it does not help the society if that continues to be the case so how can we reduce that 
And that's kind of where my focus is on. So how do you do that on a day-to-day basis? So someone listening whose ears have pricked up and gone, right, okay, this is really interesting, but what does it look like on a day-to-day basis? What are your thoughts? I guess there's what it looks like for you, but then on a wider scale, how you would like to see things changing, what that could look like. So I think, you know, for most people, we I think as individuals, a lot of us might feel insignificant, right? Because it's a big world. Yeah nearly 8 billion people now this, in the world, yeah. right? um, that's in the world and if you think in the UK what 60 70 million people you just kind of think I'm just a little person just doing my thing I go to work you know look after my kids whatever it is that you do um, and that's true the reality is there is a level of insignificance that you are in the big world however your insignificant can become significant if you make um, habitual decisions every single day for the greater good um, so in my life um, that just started with seeing a need and I filled it. I saw an area that I could support people in, which was um, black and um, Asian people are more likely not to be referred to psychotherapy, you know, within the NHS. They're yes, also yeah. um, not likely to be matched with somebody who looks like them or has the same cultural background. And sometimes they're not likely to afford um, mainstream therapy rates, which is 50, 60, even 70, 80, depending on yes. where you're from. So I said, well, let me go out and create a service that supports that. Now, obviously, it's not that easy to set up a business, but the idea is I saw a need, I saw a gap um, because of my experience, and I created yes. a service to somewhat fit that gap and solve that gap and to provide those solutions. And everyone can do that. It may not be starting a business. It might be volunteering in other organisations to support local, a good um, point. Yeah. local initiatives to support them. So I think that's why, how anyone individually can do some things. In terms of more macro, um, I want to impact five areas, education, policy, research, practice um, practice development and service delivery. Those are the five areas across my lifetime. If I can Im- impact these areas across my lifetime in little, big ways, and I feel like I've done my purpose on this earth. So my doctorate is part of research. It's also part of policy. The research I'm looking at will hopefully yeah. inform policy, which hopefully will also inform education and will hopefully um, change up services and practice. Um, so everything that I do is within those five areas and domains and that's how I kind of live my life um um, so as long as I'm somewhat within those five domains I feel like I'm being impactful so your personal business then what does that look like on a day-to-day basis then how are you beginning to such great value there isn't there's a real connection between what you value and then what you do what do you do on a day-to-day basis how are you starting to get that change effect so on a day-to-day basis, because I've got a team that manage, manages my business, I don't have to be in the business. You know, you hear that in right. the business, yeah. on the business. So I don't do the day-to-day interviews with counsellors nor the assessments. I've got, you know, people to do that. The administration is run and I've got a bit of a social media team. Um, so it's more strategic. We had a team meeting yesterday and we're just talking about, the, um, you know, what's going on in, you know, in the business and obviously changing circumstances, changing economy. You know, the changing economy means you've got to make yeah. some so really big decisions and important decisions and life-changing decisions for you know the people that I employ um you know we have to get smaller to be more efficient to save more money so we can last longer right yes, um, yeah so those are kind of things that I do then I spend I just re- read two articles today in terms of my doctorate so I am going to be I will be given in my research proposal in April um, and the, the question that I'm looking at is what are the conditions in organisations that impede or enable black women leaders to be successful? So black women leaders to attain leadership positions, you know, what in organisations enable that, enhance that, support that process or impede, inhibit, um, restrict that process from occurring? So I'm looking at the success determinants that black women leaders have and how they 
employ strategies to overcome the barriers that are against them. Um, so I'm doing a lot of reading because you've got to do a lot of reading, as you know. You do, indeed, yes. <laughs> no, and of course, reading not only is going to help me in my, just my doctorate, it's informing my understanding, it's informing my, my articulation, my speaking. Um, so that's what I do. And then I'm on podcasts. I do a lot of, um, you know, the guest, um, guest, pod, guest podcasting. Um, and then I'm also creating content for my own YouTube channel, which I'm now doubling down. I'm really going to focus on YouTube because I believe that's going to be good top of the funnel. Come and see me, see my expertise, and then be able to, whether it's clients, brands, companies, work with them in all parts of my business. So it's really about getting exposure and being visible. The more visibility and exposure you have, the more work and more funding I can get to do what I want to do. And it's that, isn't it? Because one thing that kind of strikes me is that identifying a need, but you're good at starting conversations as well. And then doing something with that conversation, because we might notice something, we might notice a gap. But sometimes people are a bit hesitant to start to talk about it, um, to feel comfortable to get it out there, but also then to do something that actually means creating change. So your business, you provide therapy, don't you? So people can come to your company, have therapy, and it's more accessible which I think is absolutely fantastic. So I know I've been doing therapy for over 20 years now, and there are many barriers for many people about accessing different types of services, as you say, and you've identified those gaps. But there, you know, there is something about you wanting to do, it's quite a big philanthropic element as well, isn't there, about helping people to access what they need at the moment. And when we look at what's going on in the world, particularly, you know, the kind of historical issues pre-pandemic, and then we've got cost of living crisis, just what people are facing at the moment. Mm. Um, is it all right to ask you a little bit? So, um, you've had a lived experience yourself are you comfortable talking a little bit about your lived experience of depression because that's one of the things that really struck me when we first had an initial conversation um and how much that's misunderstood as well and I thought your journey was really interesting if you're comfortable sharing that with our listeners yeah definitely um yeah so I think we talked about you know my mental health um difficulties and needs and how um it went unnoticed um it went yes untreated um um, and that's not anyone's fault particularly, but that's just what it was. And I think that's yes, what a lot yeah, of experience. Yeah. Um, and I kind of labelled it high-functioning depression. And you can both yes. imagine that probably is not in the diagnostic um, manual, nor in the international codes. Um, however, it is a phenomenon that people yeah. are beginning to recognise, that there are high-functioning people that and it may not, it may it might be a, a term that some people don't like, but essentially it's a high-functioning illness whatever the illness is x illness is essentially meaning that when you have a mental illness um it impairs your functioning in fair it impairs your executive and functioning you know your ability to problem solve your ability to memorize to organize absolutely yeah look after yourself high functioning means that that happens less there are some impairments but it could be very hidden concealed um and it could be such where what's the best way of saying it my level of high functioning when I was depressed, it's higher than most people not depressed. So when I'm not, so when I'm no longer in yes. this mode, I'm even greater. If that makes sense, yeah. um, and that's what it meant. So a lot of people um, experience being the the, the the clinical the clinical symptoms of depression, which is you know um, maybe decreased appetite, overeating, um, not sleeping, oversleeping, you know, lower self esteem, lack of energy, and fatigue. Um, difficulty in concentrating and making decisions feeling sad and hopeless however we are able to mask it and we are able to still function in society relatively yes. well 
and that's why it's called high functioning X illness. In this case, it's high functioning depression. And I recognised that I had that um, whilst I began therapy because I realised that wait a minute, I've had I was depressed, but I wasn't the the I guess that typical depressed person or the the stereotypical yeah. person at home in a dark room, not bathing, not thinking, which is that which has happened, which is not great, and um, which they do need support. But the, the experiences that they had were so similar to mine. It's just that I did get up, you know, and that's also a very cultural thing. Being a um, being of Nigerian heritage, you know, that's just what you do. You don't. Yes. If I lived in Nigeria, I wouldn't even have the opportunity or the the ability to even. And I'm not saying luxury, but I wouldn't have that opportunity to stay at home. If you don't work, you don't eat. Right, there isn't a benefit system. There isn't a welfare system. Is having yes. your family support you, you work, or you basically die, and that literally is the case in a lot of countries outside of the Western world. So when where people are functioning but they're not happy, and they're really not happy, and they're maybe even you know suicidal, having negative thoughts, and all of these different stuff. Well, there's risk issues. Yes, yeah. That you could arguably say is high function depression because they are functioning, or what society says they're functioning, but internally there's a dictonomy, there's incongruency, and they yeah. are you probably dead numb inside, really and truly, which I was. And it's exactly that because that's what really kind of stayed with me when we had our initial conversation is that I'm resonating with people. How many people will be listening to this podcast going, I think that's me? And I'm also so interested in how then things may get missed because of that, you know, that we might have our preconceptions, family members, even some professionals, yeah. it might get missed, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You all have listeners that are mothers, caretakers, workers. They've got to look after everyone. It's usually yeah. people that have a high level of responsibility that feel like they are unable to essentially um, remove those responsibilities because people are relying on you. Yes. Therefore, um, you have to continue going despite the feelings that you're feeling inside. And also, sometimes if you even decide to just put down your responsibilities for a little bit the the visceral reaction from everybody else isn't always positive because you've taken up a role a very important role in people's lives to be the strong one to be the reliable one to be the responsible one yes you shirk that responsibility for one day for two days for one week yeah no all hell breaks loose in your family in your in whatever role that you know you're in work whatever um and that then that put that creates um, that creates greater pressure on the person if that makes sense right absolutely yes cycle that eats within itself and then you get stuck being this role fixed role of he smiling if you see my um my face guys now listen yes. I'm smiling and beaming but we all know that feeling but how are you i'm good how are you yeah, yeah, yeah i'm good i'm good i'm good but you literally just cried you wiped off your makeup put makeup on in the car just came out to work because you don't want anyone to see that you're crying because even if you did show them they're crying what can they do you still got yeah. to pay people's bills that like even now as a as an employer even though i can take breaks because i've got a team i can't technically take a break off my business i can't say you know what guys i'm done i'm tired I've got yeah. hundreds and hundreds of people relying on me to continue to be creative, to continue to do X, Y, Z. And that pressure, if I had not dealt with a lot of my internal issues, yeah, the business would have probably gone south because I would. the pressure would have been so much, 
I would have dropped it. And then I've got then greater pressure of people um, emailing me and messaging me. I'm not getting paid. Uh, my therapist is not coming into all of this different stuff. So yes. that's what makes it very difficult and not seen. Because if people then begin to identify it within you, right, they realize that you are not what you are. It makes them question themselves as well. Because a lot of the times the person's got high function, depressed, um, depressed or what anxiety, whatever it is, is the mirror. Is the strength for everybody. If the strength seems weak, then everybody else is thinking, well, I'm weak. <laughs> if you're weak, then damn, we, we ain't got, we, we yes. can't help. So those are the factors that I think a lot of people and your listeners will be like, oh my God, this is me. I'm the matriarch of my family. I'm the oldest sibling. I'm the yes. kid of my mum and dad. I'm this, I'm that. I'm the, you know, the typical things that you probably see in your therapy room, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of that it's almost like a catch twenty <laughs> two. That's not a clinical phrase, but it would do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. that sometimes we might even begin to have what we call a, so for our listeners, a little bit of insight, which means starting to maybe appraise or understand your situation, looking at some cycles or repeating mm-hmm. patterns. We might start to have a little bit of insight, but you may have raised a really good point there that even if people might begin to know something's not right here and maybe I do need to look at this, is that actually the logistics of it can be really hard. If I step away, these things are going to build up. And then that might be worse. And that sometimes can keep patients that I see in that cycle, you know, on that mm. hamster wheel, as you say, because I, I, I haven't got the support system in place to even stop and look at what I need. And then when we come back to one of your earlier points, you know, how accessible are mental health services to people? How many people in the cost of living crisis can pay privately with waiting lists in NHS you know, probably the longest they've ever been, well, they have in my career, and that spans over 20 years. Mm. You know, there's, there's almost like a perfect storm there, isn't there? I mean, is it, it is all right to ask, you know, from when we talk about lived experience, so I've had many guests on here and I've been so honoured that they felt comfortable enough and are able to share their stories. And that's the kind of brainchild behind this podcast is that I think it can be so empowering for people to hear other people's lived experiences. And I'm just wondering, is that something you do share is that part of your kind of ethos in your businesses using your lived experience in a kind of outward way or is it something that more guides you internally I wonder um you know if I'm honest I'm a very straight book it's it's a it's a strategic move I began to use I'm not I'm not a a, um I'm not the most uh open person but I'm very warm so yes um, so it's now I realise that people actually are inspired. It's like I know people are inspired by stories, but I wasn't the type of person that said, oh, you guys, oh, I've been abused. And I did that. I, you, if you ask me, I would tell you. I'm just not that type of person. Yes. I'm that person that tells their story. But the last several months, I've realised that <laughs> people actually want to know about my story. They're inspired yeah. by my story. So I kind yeah. of do it from that. It's not a thing of, I just feel like I'm going to tell my story. No. If you ask yes. me, I will tell. If you don't ask me, I won't really share. Unless it's, it's needed in the the thing but I'm not a heart on my sleeves type of girl even though I'm very warm and loving and caring I'm just not that way inclined so I don't do it in this kind of like I know people are going to be inspired I know strategically it works well and people connect with that so and I understand people want to connect with humanity I want to connect with my humanity however I think what's been great even when I haven't done it is that the way I speak people still connect so when I do share it's like a double like what shit what Oh my God, like, wow. So 
it's more of a strategic thing more than like I just sit there going, I'm going to just tell my story. No, I don't think like that. No, I'm a bit logical at times. So I, I, that's how I think. So in my head, thinking this is strategic. When I first shared it, I saw the reaction. I thought, oh, this is a, this is good. I need to do this more often. And then the more I do it, it just gets easier, and it becomes it. It is it, it, when I do it. Whenever I get asked these questions, I find out more things about myself. I forget things. You know, you just forget. And go, oh my gosh, that actually happened to me as a child. So it's yes. also a way of kind of weirdly having therapy as well because you get to share your story and then I reflect on it and then I go to my therapist and say, this is what I did. <laughs> I think that's really important actually because part of some therapists, part of their training is to have that experience of having personal therapy yourself. And I actually think that's a really good model. Um, and as a counselling psychologist, that was a core part of my training that you had to go mm. A, to experience it, but also for your own personal development. Um, and I think it can actually give you a lot of insight. You know, what makes a good therapist, I think, is that ability to self reflect reflect and you know it's not a job you go and do it's kind of something you live and and, and breathe exactly. isn't it as well um, and I just wanted does it help you to share your story are there times because there is a kind of you know a body of research that says actually sharing can actually help you as an individual and I just wondered whether that's something you've noticed mm, no no because I've because I've had eight years of therapy and I only started sharing my right. story in yes. September. So it, 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 in therapy yes yeah. Uh, I'm, let me say this I'm sharing from a healed place where I think a lot of people share from an unhealed place right and they use that yes to heal. that's a really good but point from a healed yeah. place that I can use it strategically because it's not yeah. something that yeah. I'm you know struggling with it's like yeah yeah it's I've already healed from it and every person is different so I knew when I healed and I, uh, when I was healing from a lot of my adversities that my natural disposition yes. isn't that person that goes, you know, when they go, hi, my name is Ingazi Cadmus and I'm a ex-depressed person. You know, I just, I don't really do that. However, yes. I'm very open. So most people that know me now know that I've had mental health issues because it's just something I say or do. Whereas there's some people who, like, when they give their stories, like a big, like you can feel them, you know. That's <laughs> like a build-up, yeah. There's a build up where me just like, yeah, no, I was depressed. I used to be suicidal. Like, it's not a. Where Drum roll. Years, <laughs> that wouldn't be. Well, I wouldn't have said anything. I'd just been like, oh my God, they're asking me, how are you? Oh my God, oh my God, what do I say? Oh, I'm good. I would deflect. I was the best deflector. You ask me, how are you? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Doing? What are you doing? I was the best deflector. Now, I guess there's a way of I can just articulate my thoughts and feelings in a way that's been assimilated in within me you know that's that's what I have that's my experience I can't take it away it is what it is but where some people when they are sharing their stories you can kind of feel still that they're going through that journey if that makes sense yes that's a really good point isn't it you know that kind of sharing from a position of kind of being healed versus still working on it working mm. through that journey um I guess there's a couple of things there's so many things I want to ask you I was like I could almost think of another whole episode as well but coming back to kind of the lived experience the the, the amount of people that I think that may be listening or that may know someone who has got this big old mask on who is just running that treadmill who is the you know the the person who is keeping it all together for other people whether that's in a business capacity in a family capacity whatever it is um is you know how we can perhaps also reach out and connect was there anything that did or didn't help you from other people in your personal kind of situation how you know did, did you recognize for yourself or was there anyone else that kind of helped you because I always think it's useful to know what do people need and what do they don't need and how can we kind of get beyond that superficial how are you doing yes I'm fine with big grin as you say mm. um I think what helps me is that most of my friends didn't, it's weird. I didn't feel like there was a demand of my friends for me to to 
to be deeper in, in that. Yes, more yeah. Yeah. I, think, I remember a friend, I'll never forget her. She said, I know, um, I've noticed things you don't really say much about yourself, but you've got substance. That oh, when people yeah. meet you, they know they can tell you've got substance. So they don't pull on you to tell them what the, that substance is, but just the way yeah. you meet yeah. that. And I guess it did create an atmosphere. I didn't feel pressure to do so. Um, yeah. so that is helpful. That's important then. Yeah. I think I, I, I'm the way I am is I would say, that you haven't got them, unless it's your child to a degree, you, you're not responsible for anybody else if they're an adult. So you have to also acknowledge that there are some people that can hide it so well and you never know. Um, That's a really yeah, good point. Yeah. D-Day Twitch is a perfect example of that, right? So I think it's important because D-Day Twitch's um, um, wife will yes. probably constantly reckon herself in, what did I miss? What did I miss? And I presumably would believe that D-Day Twitch would be saying to her if he was alive or somehow it was not successful in his attempt, we'll say it's not your fault. Right? But he's, no, he's not there to tell her that. So she's going to now live with the, could I, until she heals from that, yeah. right? So it's important yeah. to understand that you're not responsibility. But what you, what, you, what you can do is just create a safe space. And now every safe space is different. So you need to ask the person, but they may not even know. So you can only do your best. You can only make effort. You can only try. If you've got a person who was reasonable within the, that was a reasonable person. Some people are just unreasonable. Like they, they want something that you that, that they ask you something that you give and then they're not, they're not happy with that and obviously that's some that shows greater issues within themselves but most people are reasonable so if you're like look i yeah. don't know if i should call you all the time i don't know if i should ta- i don't know what to do but i want to just support you and help you that to me shows and en- that's enough for me that's yes. enough because that person or for example myself i don't always know when i was in those moments i didn't know what i didn't know what i needed so yeah you yeah. call me, I might feel a bit irritated because I feel like now there's pressure. If you don't call me, I might feel like no one's there for me because there's emotions. You're feeling everything. You just, you just feel. Yes. Yeah. It's not always making sense. <laughs> so it's also to understand that when a person is in that, I think, that mode, some their feelings are valid doesn't mean it's right. So because you might call a person every single day and you've had it. Someone will tell you, you're never there for me. You think, what? <laughs> Excuse me? I called you every single day. But no, but I want you to come and see me. Is that really... So it's just important to know that sometimes when a person is experiencing hopelessness and despondency, they don't always know what they need. But I personally think the effort is what counts in that moment because you're going to get it wrong. That's just really, you're going to get it wrong. So I think those the loved ones just know that, just show them that you're there for them. Now, if they can articulate that, listen to what they say. If they are, if if when they get in a better space, ask them when they're better. Okay, when, when you relapse or when you go into a bad space, what do you need from me? Tell me now. <laughs> because I know if I tell you, when I, if I ask you when you're there, you can't tell me. That's what's important. Um, but also, you know, you, they have to take responsibility. You're not responsible for them. Even if you want to be, even if you want to take the pressure and the, the stuff away, you can't. It is part of their their walk, their healing journey, they've got to do themselves, which is really hard, but I had to do it myself. No one could take the responsibility, not even my mum could take the responsibility of making me feel better because I just did not feel good within myself. Yeah, there's so many, <laughs> literally writing down about 10 points to make sure I can come back to. Um, but, you know, that that importance of validating, you know, trying if we can, one small thing everyone can do literally from the moment they hear this onwards is just take that moment. And if you're checking in with someone, you're there waiting for the answer. So I always use that metaphor that we might be passing someone, hi, how are you doing? But we're not stopping and showing them that we're waiting for a response, that we can be there and holding that space, as you say. Um, and, and, and it's okay. We might get it wrong. We might reach out. They might not want it. We might decide to back off. That might not be what they want. But I think it's that 
being there and trying is really important. Creating a space where perhaps you're just giving them some signals that if they need to say, do you know what, actually, I'm not great today, that you've got that space. Because I think particularly, I don't know, off the back of the pandemic with the increase in mental health issues is that a lot of people are at capacity themselves. So sometimes we might shy away thinking, I just can't manage to hear someone else's stuff at the moment. So I think it's more important than ever that we do try and at least check in. You don't have to have magic answers, do you? But you raised a really good point there about what I call kind of relapse prevention, that when people are well, what can we learn? What might you need? And also what don't you need as well? I think it's sometimes you made another good point about well, sometimes we don't know what we need, but we know what we don't need. I really don't want you popping around at the moment. Is that okay? Can I call you, you know, when I'm feeling a bit better? And I think that's really important. Those are real practical things that people can think about right now, can't they? You know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a therapist to do those things. And um, I think just being able to start conversations, which is something that you do, isn't it? I think it's really, really important. Now, I wanted to also ask you a little bit about kind of leadership as well because there are many strings to your bow there's kind of you know the therapeutic angle but also you do a lot of work around kind of coaching and um and just empowering people and again coming back to where people have been more disadvantaged or aren't getting represented tell us a little bit about that work and, and why that's important for you yes it's exciting um because leaders leaders make decisions that outlast them yeah <laughs> <laughs> leaders make decisions that impact more than themselves, usually. Yeah. Um, and leaders make um, decisions that essentially maintain power. So if people from disadvantaged backgrounds, so in, in this example, black, uh, I focus on black women, but this also includes you know black men, Asian women, Asian women, you know, it includes anyone that's not the majority. Yes, um, yeah. It means that, Essentially, we are being powerless if we're not in there. If we're not in the decision-making rooms, if we are not um, given our input or our influence, it means that we're technically powerless to stop um, things happening. We're powerless yeah. to stop yeah. decisions that might adversely impact us from occurring. Um, and I think that it's important that we are in those rooms um, uh, to not only represent those that are not in those rooms but to ensure that every side is considered in the decision-making process. Yes. That's all I'm asking. You know, I'm not, I don't, I, I, I'm in the middle of, you know, should it be, should we do positive discrimination or not? I think there needs to be conversations on what has worked in the past and what hasn't worked. Why is it, why is there still an absence? Why is there still a gap? Why is there still a lag of um, um, ethnic people on, on the board's, um, of decision-making process in, in all sectors, public sector, first sector, um, private sector. What is going on? Is it positive discrimination? Is that a good thing or not? How, what's the stats? What's the facts? What's the data? Because that's why I'm also about data. We need yes, more data. the research base. and Yeah, yeah, to show us. So then we can say, okay, if positive um, discrimination, in other words, it could be affirmative action, you know, we know what it's called. Yeah. Um, if that's not working, in what other ways can we do it? Is it a quota? You know, in Europe, they sometimes they did quotas for women. It Does that right. work? make it better does it disadvantage some men you know what what are the pros and cons for it for me it's not saying this is the way that is the way it's saying this is a conversation that needs to be had we need to confront it by being honest with ourselves honest with our biases we all have them um recognize that unconscious processes do occur right yes they occur um whether we like them or not they just occur so how are they occurring that might be blocking other people getting in um but in bringing other people in from underrepresented groups it doesn't mean that i want 
other groups not to be considered in as well. So it's about finding that balance. So I'm, I seem to have a more of a logical, critical thinker and saying, let's cut the crap. All of this politicising, you know, left and right, it's just purely agency and it's purely structural problems. I'm more in the middle and saying, yes, there are strategic, there are structural problems that create barriers, but I do believe in agency as well. I do believe in employing the resources that I have to move forward and to bulldoze through. But I do recognise in order to get through the door needs to be open just a little bit so I can kind of push then push the door you know further so I recognize both elements of um I guess the 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 conversation roundabout that you hear in the in politics that you hear from people about the frustrations of why society is still not reflective of the multicultural society that there is so it's so interesting you're bringing your kind of therapeutic skills your understanding of the human brain and human processes to help people understand you know bias unconscious bias and what do you do day to day how do you support people to think more about this because you do you run a coaching company as well don't you and yeah so how do you bring that to the everyday person so I do trainings um, with companies um, and organisations. Um, I use data. So if I, if I work with an organisation, we use data to essentially analyse, um, I guess, the ethnicity gap um, yep. and how we can begin to inform. So when we get the data, it allows us to inform what are the solutions for this company that's needed so you can have a representative. You know, some companies only need two, not us for that 10. It could be yes. two. Um, people of ethnic backgrounds because it's equal to what's in the in in the in the in the company. You know, if you live yeah. up in York and there's only like ten black people in the organisation, I'm not expecting that half of the board is five. That be like, come on, it could just be one person. But then if there's none, and so it's more to do with the. I'm not going to match, but the statistical variation, you know, proportion to what should be making sense. So that's what I do. I'm all, I'm logical. I'm I'm no data specific. I'm also understand. I understand the the monetary outcomes. The mon- monetary beneficials um that diversity brings so that's what i do with organizations and with people with with black women i just coach them i kind of just keep it real and just saying look you know i believe in self um i've got a i've got a framework about like self-governance um so people people leadership self-leadership and organizational leadership and i look into all those three domains and help a person build that up and then that will make a person you know be more employable so essentially for your listeners whether black white asian whatever you need to future-proof your career and how do you do that by being proactive um by um investing in your professional development you know by seeking mentors yes. and sponsors um so you have to do and to and seeking the opportunities that stretch your growth these are the things that you've got to do you've got to be strategic in all honesty right now thousands of people have been laid off technology technology companies right um now they've got to be strategic and how can i put myself in a position where that happens less in, 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 in my lifetime so that I can be secure, that I can pay my bills, I can pay my rent, I can look after my family. Um, so that's what I do. That kind of, I'm just wondering how empowering that is because there's, um, I'm thinking about <laughs> typical psychologists, there's kind of layers. There's what you're doing in order to help them further themselves, but I'm also wondering what that must do for them as an individual and their self-worth and that empowerment as well to have someone invest in that time in them and to help them understand themselves and kind of linking the two arms of what you do that kind of therapeutic part I imagine comes through in that coaching work as as well you know in terms of presumably you have people that have come to you that have had negative experiences and that's why they're looking to have coaching to be supported as well Mm, mm. yeah 100% and I think you know like yourself as a therapist you know 
it, it informs just the way you speak and you think. And I think all my yeah. being a social worker, being a therapist, being naturally logical, being a, I say myself a critical thinker, and I'm yes. using that word. Um, um, I'm using that word purposely because I'm actually critical. My paradigm in which I look through my doctorate and study is a critical realist. Um, so it's kind of in the middle between the whole positivism and then the interpretive arm, um, like the whole social constructionism kind of arm. Um, so the way I see things is understand that there is an independent reality, but then the way we see that is, in, is based on our interpretations, is based on our perspective, our experiences. So all of that combined, I think, helps me. And obviously my faith enables me to work with individuals the way that I do but I'm also recognizing that not everybody will agree with that not everybody will no I don't work good with everyone right yes yeah who I work with I, I work with well and I guess you know lastly that's what I want to show more on YouTube because I think that my voice the way I think is lacking in the the YouTube sphere in yes. the yeah just the way I think and consider things and uh, because I even had a back and forth conversation with somebody on Instagram because she wanted me to make a stand on something that I said I don't need to make a stand on this I make a stand in my everyday work right now I don't whether I agree or disagree with the person's um, thought process or what the person said I'm saying that but can you understand what the person is saying she she was just like no it's terrible it's wrong um, it was 50 cent he was basically saying that um, depression is a luxury in the western world and then what I was trying to say was just that uh, maybe not the right use of words, but I get that. That's that's exactly what I was trying to say. That in certain countries, you know, if I'm if I'm speaking to my family in, in Nigeria, they'll tell me, "Yeah, you people, you people like you that are depressed, it's a luxury. Can we? We don't have a chance to do that because they are not afforded the uh, the ability to not work if they are upset or sad. Once your grieving period is done, go back into work. No one's ever be looking at you like, "Are you okay? Uh, why are you not going to work? You can't say." Because because no one is paying your bills, we're all struggling ourselves, right? So she couldn't see that that different nuance. She just wanted to say, "Oh, as a mental health professional, you should just say he should not use those words." So um, people are not able to see nuance, right? They, they, it's all black and white. They're not they're not able to see the grey. And I can see the grey in a lot of things. Uh, and it's that ability to hear people and take the time. Somebody might say something that on the face of it looks like something and we mm. can get really stuck on it, but it's taken that. And that's what we've really come across from our chat today, but also when we've chatted before. Um, and some of the videos that I've watched is your ability to just take your time to hear, really hear what someone's saying and trying to you took me I had a flashback there back to my um research doctorate days then <laughs> talking about positive and interpretivism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I noticed sweaty hands for a minute thinking gosh I've not thought about that in a long time I should think about it a bit more shouldn't I <laughs> we've all been there haven't we but just you know what you can bring to people and I do you know what I really love that will stay with me from today as well is just that there isn't a you out there yet and I really like that you know that you can I think you can bring something really different and I'd really encourage people to go find out more about you so if people do want to find you where can they find out more about you where where do you hang out (laughs) where can people google and come find you (laughs) Um, I would say um find me n-g-o-z-i-c-a-d-m-u-s I I know it's going to be in the show notes Ngozi Cadmus on Instagram and on YouTube. In from February, they're going to see a lot more of me on YouTube. I'm just getting all my systems in gear and all my stuff. But I'm I look going, forward to that. Thank you. I'm going to be live streaming and 
talking about all of the trending topics from Andrew Tate to to um, Prince Prince really was it Prince Harry and all of this different stuff. All uh, the hot topics, yeah. All, all the hot topics, <laughs> given my perspective, all of the inf- all the things that inform me, I'm going to give my perspective. You know, because reality is, and one of the things that I think I've learned, and anyone that is listening that wants to do a business or even wants to do a podcast, it's, it's the reality is that people. Uh, majority of people like pop culture and if you've got a unique uh, view on something people want to hear that because people are always looking at oh what's someone else saying you know what people think yes yeah that's what we do as humans isn't it we source information we weigh it up and that's um disrupting value so you know providing the value that you're seeing you know what's trending and then talking about it and disrupting it a bit um unfortunately sometimes nobody just wants to hear you speak just to speak you know that's just really until you grow a platform then that joe rogan we can just sit there and listen to him speak but for most people right now it's about going okay what's trending and not every single trending topic you may not be interested in everything but those that you are interested in talking about it from your perspective i think is really really good that'd be my advice for people who want to jump on this kind of whatever business or content creation thing as well it's so interesting isn't it what kind of strikes you about you is the value base you know so it's you know it's not just a tick box we're going to talk about these current things to get clicks to get views which you know is is a business model (laughs) you know that's Mm -hmm. that's okay but um there seems to be a different value set there for you in terms of why you're doing that what you want to talk about and 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 that people hopefully can make more informed decision about the information you take what's happening in the media at the moment with Harry it's just people weighing up and 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 forming opinions based on facts and you know thinking clearly about a situation well we yeah. heard right that his his non-fiction book is the most selling book of all I'm not bought it I don't care to buy it but people do people like people are nosy yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're interested in other people aren't we yeah. absolutely I'm the most nosy person ever I love to, to know what everyone's up to and what they're doing exactly. of course we do. <laughs> no I don't think I need to read it I'm hearing it all over the social media so I think I've read it just by hearing everything about yeah. it however <laughs> that demonstrates that just shows the humanity so just go with it but obviously keep your values and ethics i get bored very easily it's that, so, yeah you know not every topic is that interesting after that like, 10 times of saying the same thing it's like look let's talk about something else so yeah you just do it as ethically as possible whatever your ethics are um and go with it but i think it's a smart way of disrupting um the algorithm and getting your expertise out there because like yourself tyra you do amazing work and your podcast is because you're interested in people but you also you know i don't know i'm just assuming but it's also for people to see the work that you have done and your expertise yeah. and air the 20 years of work you've put into this right i think the issue of a lot of us therapists social workers all of this different stuff is that we need to well great therapists we're great helpers we need to be good marketers as well yeah that- oh absolutely I'm such a dinosaur I really am been around too long and it's knowing oh I've got some stuff maybe I can help people get stuff out there so Mm. you're on YouTube you're on Instagram as well aren't you you're on LinkedIn um, and also your website I put all of these things in the show notes now I always ask again showing my age my signature move is I like to ask people if you could give us one little adversity takeaway what would it be one little nugget I love this quote it's success and failure are imposters so success and failure, or the, the original quote, if you want yes. to talk about English, is triumph and disaster are imposters. <laughs> but yeah, success and failure of imposters. Take it for what you mean, research it. Um, um, I think it's a very inspirational quote and it keeps me grounded and humbled. It just reminds me anytime I win, there's always someone that doesn't win. Anytime I lose, there's always someone that does win. It's just part of life, you know? The cycle yeah. continues. And if you see them as both imposters and see them for what it is, it, it reduces, I don't know, the sense of 
overall failure. The reality is there's always going to be people at one time doing better and then you do better. It's a cycle. Cycle continues. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? And I also love the fact that on a Friday afternoon, a chilly, windy Friday afternoon, we're chatting rather than reading the book. <laughs> That's where my value lies at the moment. I'll have a scroll later and, you know, I've been known to comment on things, but this is where my value lies. I'm really glad that we had a conversation and I'm not scrolling yeah, through news too. agencies looking at what <laughs> Harry's doing next. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today. I would I'd like to have you on again because I'd actually like to yeah. talk a bit more about the kind of female leadership stuff. I think that could almost do yeah. with its own uh, podcast episode. So I have a little notebook. So when I say this stuff, it gets written down so that I can remember to come back to it. Um, because you do quite a lot of faith-based coaching. I quite like to talk about that a little bit more yeah. at some point if you're up for that. <laughs> but thank you. I just I have to say for those people who have done a doctorate, it is one of the hardest things in terms of how it dominates your life. So the fact that you're doing what you do and you've made some time to come on my podcast, I really appreciate it. So best of luck with getting that done. Thank and the rest you. of your great things and we'll get you out there yeah. <laughs> thank you for taking the time the listeners can so listen the fact that as they go on to maybe drink a cup of tea or you know read a nice book or read harry's book i'm going back to doing some readings i'm pouring <laughs> the various readings <laughs> we've given you a bit of respite then have we a bit yeah, of respite, or maybe got some creative juices flowing definitely. for the next article that you're going to digest oh, i remember the days with a highlighter and piles and piles of research articles. And, well, thank God um, for, for technology now. We can just yes. highlight on the PDF. Yeah, I see. So. <laughs> I literally am a dinosaur <laughs> with my <Yeah>. highlighter. <laughs> Surprised I'm even podcasting. Probably just a little stone tablet and I'll ask you questions and send it to you via Dinosaur Mail. <laughs> the original podcast. Thank you so much. And I am can't wait. We'll get you back on again. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Psychologist podcast. It's so lovely to have you here. I'm Dr. Tara Quintrarillo and you can find me at drtara.co.uk. You'll see everything I'm up to, free resources, my media work and my new COVID recovery clinic as well. Remember to please rate and review my podcast. It really helps people to benefit from the narratives of overcoming adversity if they know where to find us. The Adversity Psychologist podcast, helping you one step at a time.